As you guys sit, you should turn off the uh, the can the uh, flash on your phone so your phones don't die during the experience. Uh, a little word for the wise. And uh, but while you have your cell phones out, while you're turning off those lights, go ahead and open up the uh, the text message app. Because here's here's what I want to challenge you guys now to do in this moment. I want to challenge you to look through all the people you've been texting and, and get your last five unsaved friends, five people that don't know Jesus. Identify the last five who don't, and then I want you to invite them to our Christmas Eve experiences. We've, we have on the screen, if you want all emojis, there's a little finger thing, church thing, Christmas tree, uh, there's coffee singing, a heart, a time. Like You can do it in all emojis. I don't know. You do you, but if you want to invite your friends with only emojis, it is technically possible. Uh, or here's what it says at the bottom. I'll give you the text message right now to send to your five unsaved friends. It says, hey, my church is, is going big for Christmas Eve. Well, Spring Church, downtown, across from Capone's, get dinner and hit us up at 6.30 or 8 p.m. Excellent worship, relevant preaching, this ain't your mama's church, check it out, bring your kids, there's stuff for them too, all right? Send that to your unsaved friends. Now, if you don't have any unsaved friends that you've been texting with, it is time to get some new friends. We should be friends with people that don't know Jesus so that we can share with them the hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. It's a way to prepare ourselves for battle. Check out this scene as you text your friends.
We've seen in the movie, he doesn't actually get to eat his mac and cheese. Uh, the wet bandits show up, and he goes to battle. He has protected uh, his home, and when it's all said and done, there's a blowtorch. Uh, there's a BB gun to the man parts. It's the greatest scene uh, in the history of uh, film. Uh, and, and so he, he goes to battle, and he, and he wins. You guys just got done texting five friends. You know what that did? That put us on the front lines of a war. <laughs> You and I just created war by texting our friends. We went on the front lines of our mission to reach people that no one else is reaching. We went on the front lines as we pray for one. You guys just texted people that you likely are, are praying for. And as I say war, some of us look up here like with a, with a sense of disconnect. And I get that. Why? Because we don't think of living a life of spiritual battle. We don't see ourselves as part of a mission, which is really an element of warfare. And since we don't see it as war, we don't protect as if it is war. So we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 6 today. And uh, that's going to be up on the screen. It's going to be in your, uh, it is in your Bibles. It's on the app as well. Here's what he says in Ephesians chapter 6. This is Paul writing. He says, finally, he's written this whole letter. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So where does our strength come from? It doesn't come from the guy preaching. It doesn't, it doesn't, come, from, it doesn't come from your family. It doesn't come from your co-workers. It, 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 doesn't, it doesn't come from your job, your money, your position. Our strength as Christians is found in one place, Jesus Christ. And so our big thought, we'll say this a few times throughout the entire morning, our big thought for the morning is this. We fight in his might. You and I are in the midst of a battle. It is, we are fighting in the might of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The best soldier is a prepared soldier. One of the quotes I read uh, in seminary that just hit me so hard was this quote by C.T. Uh, Studd. It says, I pray that when I die, all of hell will rejoice that I am out of the fight. I think the mission of Jesus Christ is worth dying for, and I want to fight for that mission. I'm a competitive guy. I want to put a dent in for God's kingdom, and this type of a quote will wake me up in the morning. How can I make Satan angry today? How can I make him wish I didn't exist? We are in the midst of a fight, and we already have victory in Christ Jesus, but here's how we can experience victory here on earth. In Ephesians 6, Verses 10 through 20, Paul expresses three keys to victory as we fight in his might. The first key is this, understanding is key. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. Paul's under house arrest as he writes this. He's either, he's either writing this in the presence of a Roman soldier or he's very well in tune with what Roman soldiers look like as they're, as they're going about uh, checking in on him in, in these regards. So he uses this, this, this element of armor, probably with the Roman soldier in mind, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil, that you may be able to, meaning that, that you walked in here feeling like all of hell is coming down on you today. The ability to stand under fire is not a question. This is not a matter of possibility. This is a matter now of process with what the tools that God has provided. What I read here is will we stand? Do we, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over the present darkness, against the spiritual forces of the evil uh, of evil in the heavenly 
places. Paul writes this to wake us up from passivity, to, to alert us to the conflict that is at hand, and to get us onto the battlefield, and to fight in his might. What are we fighting? We're fighting a different type of battle. We're not talking about, hey, let's dress up like Roman soldiers and go walk up to the coffee shop, and let's just sling some people for Jesus. That's not at all what we are, this is a different type of fight. We're not talking about tanks. We're not talking about swords. We're not talking about guns. We're talking about the spiritual forces where our enemy comes at us as a stalker, as a cunning, low life looking to destroy. His one goal is total, total destruction. He is well organized. He has an army. And together their goal is total destruction. When you said yes to Jesus, you didn't stroll on to a happy playground. When you said yes to Jesus, you went to the harsh reality of a battleground. And as believers grow stronger and stronger, guess what happens? The battles will grow stronger and stronger. But the forces are powerful. The satanic forces against us are powerful. But guess what they are not? They are not all powerful. Because the Spirit of God lives inside of me. And he will not be stopped by the spiritual forces. John says it in chapter 4. He says, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Satan cannot overcome those who are in Christ Jesus because he cannot overcome Christ Jesus. So this is an invite to check the film. This is an invite to see what is in our life. How are we getting ready for battle? I hated 2007 uh, because the, the, the Patriots lost to the stupid team called the Giants. Uh, in <laughs> Yeah. How y'all doing this year? All right, yeah, okay. Uh, I kid, but seriously, that's a guy named David Tyree. I hear he's a Christian, so it's hard to hate him. Uh, but he had some wicked catch that should have been called dead. It should never have even happened, but the refs got the Patriots. And, uh, and so here we are, uh, and I digress. But the last game of the season, if you Giants fans remember this, uh, the Patriots are going for something historic. They were going for 16-0 in the regular season, so they decide they're going to play their starters. Uh, and so they play all their starters, but it wasn't going to do anything as far as like playoffs. They weren't going to get a better seed because they had the number one seed. They were playing the Giants, and the Giants already had their seed for the playoffs locked in. Uh, and so winning or losing the game didn't matter for them in regards to the playoffs. But Michael Strahan got a whole bunch of players together and went to the coach and said, no, we want to play. <laughs> we want to play in this game, the last game of the regular season. And so they, they did. All The Giants played their starters. The Patriots played their starters. And the game was 38-35 in favor of the Patriots, a victory. But then they both roll through the playoffs and they meet each other in the Super Bowl. And you know what the, Patri or know what the Giants gained in that loss? They gained perspective. They gained the ability to check back on the film and to learn from mistakes. These starters went up against these starters, and they could watch that. They could make adjustments, and they won, they won one of the most epic Super Bowls for anybody outside of New England. They won one of the best Super Bowls of, of history. Why? Because they were able to check the film and make the needed adjustments. So think about the film of your life. What strength are you standing on? Is it your strength or is it the Lord Almighty's strength? If hell on earth was to come down on you today, if, 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 the, if Satan and all his minions were to come down upon you, if, if this character flaw right here is kind of okay, 
but under extreme duress will become a very big deal. We need to identify that right here and right now and to deal with that with the understanding that under fire, this is going to become a very big deal and be blown wide open. You know what, you know what, you know what Job struggled with? Job is an example throughout the pages of Scripture of somebody that really had, went through a spiritual attack. Not what we call spiritual attacks, but an actual spiritual attack where Satan went before God and God said, what about Job? He's really righteous. He loses his family. He loses his wealth. He loses health. He loses a whole slew of things. In the, in the very beginning, he's determined, I'll bless the name of Jesus Christ in, in good and bad. But then by the end, he's getting all sorts of advice from, from his friends, a lot of bad advice. And by the end, God shows up to, onto the scene, not to try to defeat this, this, and this. You know what? Nowhere God enters into the battle? Right here, the mind. He goes to Job and he says, Job, brace yourself like a man. If God said that to you and I, we would tinkle ourselves. He says, brace yourself like a man. You want to come at me with questions? Let me, let me ask you some questions and see if you can answer it. Were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when I did this, when I did this, when I did this? Who are you to question me? So as we understand this battle, I want us to understand that one of the, one of the battlegrounds of our enemy is in our minds. Do we not feel that in 2019? And so we understand, uh, we understand, understanding is key. The second thing is that the correct tools are key. He says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand, uh, to withstand the, in, the, in the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. So meaning don't punk out, don't give up. But then he says it again, stand therefore. So some of you walked in here on the verge of punking out. Some of you walked in here saying, this is my last straw. Some of you walked in here already having plans tonight to do something dirty, dirty, or immoral, whatever it might be. You walked in here with plans to punk out. Hear the words of God Almighty through Scripture. Don't punk out. Keep fighting. And having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the, ready, uh, for readiness, the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one, and take, on, take the helmet of salvation, the sword and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And so I looked through this passage, and I was like, God, I don't really know what armor and stuff is. I'm not really a military-type guy. And I was, like, praying through this and whatnot, and I was like, well, you ask us to pray, and praying is part of the battle, and it kind of hit me like I kind of have my own armor every morning when I, when I pray, and it's like 20 degrees outside, and I'm walking my, my fat dog to the bay. So, well, Landon, get up here for a second. I want to put my armor on you. Uh, so I wear like a thermal I wear like a thermal thing for my, for my chest and whatnot, but then I put a jacket on. And because uh, it's like, again, 20 degrees when I go pr prayer walking in the morning, I put like my thermal underwear on. Uh, I'm not going to make him wear my undies and uh, <laughs> my shoes and whatnot. But then, but then I get real nervous about getting hit by, uh, by a car because I'm wearing a black shirt and a black jacket and I have a black dog and whatnot. And it's like all sorts of crazy dark outside. And so I put, I put this on. Uh, but then, like, I really, really hate the cold. Uh, I put the doggy poopy bags uh, in, my, uh, in my pocket. I know, embarrassing, you're holding poopy bags. And, uh, and so, because big dog, big poop. Uh, but then, again, I hate the cold, so I put on this ski mask. 
Uh, I'm so, I look so sexy when I walk in the morning. And, uh, and so I put that on. But then I realized very quickly that wind can still get in through here. And so did you know they make clear ski goggles that are perfect for nighttime? So I got myself some clear ski goggles. But then it is dark. It is really dark in the morning. So I got myself a headlamp. I rock, I rock this thing. And, uh, and then I, I have to put this on top uh, to keep my little head cold. And, uh, and then I, I bring a fanny pack with some goodies, but you're going to act like a millennial today and not put it around your waist and just, this is what we do now, that's fashion. And, uh, and so go ahead, sit up on here. This is my armor when I prayer walk in the morning. If you can get my gloves on, go ahead and try to get my gloves on. That's what it looks like for me to battle the enemy. What Paul probably has in mind is something a little bit different. Although I think this looks tougher, uh, Paul probably had that in mind. Armor nonetheless. And so as he writes this, he uses this imagery. He says the belt of truth. That when, that when we go for our walk, when we go into battle, what they would dress, they would have what would be like a dress-like thing that, that would, would limit movement, would, would hinder them. They, they would have to put on the belt, to keep, the belt to keep things tight so they could spring into action, so they can go on the attack, so they can do what they need to do. How many of us walked in here feeling paralyzed, hindered? Why? Because the schemes of the enemy is a whole bunch of lies. The schemes of the enemy is I'm going to sit in my house. You're watching on Facebook Live right now. Why? Because if I step foot into the church, it will burn down. Lie. Put on the belt of truth that says this is exactly where you should be. I can't serve. They don't need me. They could never use me. What about my past? Lies, lies, lies to keep us paralyzed and from moving. And so we must remember truth to move forward and to fight this battle. The breastplate of righteousness, that bronze thing that would, would cover all of your vital organs, organs. Why? Because if you go into battle without that being protected and someone walks up with a knife and gets your vital organ, you are dead within minutes. You are dead within moments. This is, this is what should be most protected is your vital organs. And what does he say? The breastplate of what? Righteousness. It goes to the heart of our salvation, trying to convince believers the gap's too big. You'll never, you'll never make it to God. You're too unholy. You, you are so undeserving of God's love. Condemnation, shame are part of his schemes. Lies that says that God's love and forgiveness is going to be conditional. Take Jesus, but then earn, 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 and do a little bit more. No. When I put on the breastplate of righteousness, I remember that Christ died for me in his righteousness and then rose again and gave me his righteousness. The righteousness that Jesus Christ has washed over all of my sins. Righteousness is no longer a, crush, a question. So my vital organs, they are protected. Satan be gone. And then he says, shoes. Shoes what? By the gospel of peace. He carries on this thinking. These are sandals that would, that would be tied up your ankle. They, they would probably be about just under an inch thick of leather. They would have little spikes in them so that you could grip and to go. That, that you would have strong 
footing. If you're coming, uh, someone coming against you, you would, you would hold your feet in, and they wouldn't be able to push you back. It would help you in that regards. What does he say? The what? The gospel of peace. Who here wants to go into battle when you already feel defeated? Who here wants to go into battle when you don't feel like their peace is at all a possibility? So he says, go into your mind and remember that you have peace with God. Remember that if you kicked the bucket today, you get to stand before Lord Almighty. Behold, I bring you good news. Peace on earth. Our peace with God is secure. No lie from the enemy could ever take that away from us. And then he says, in all circumstances, take up what? The shield of faith. A four, four and a half foot uh, shield. Wood, sometimes they would dip it in water to protect against arrows coming. You, you, could go, you could get with your brothers and sisters in arms, and you could lock your shields together to create a wall. If the arrows were coming in, you could, you could lock them together and put them above to make, to make a roof of sorts to protect from, from arrows coming in. What does this mean? How many of us walked in today feeling like the arrows are coming? How many of us walked in today feeling like we want to give up? We no, want, we no longer want to fight because there's an arrow coming from my boss tomorrow. There's an arrow coming from, from my mom or my dad when I go home after church. There's an arrow coming in, 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 in past sin that's, gonna, that's going to creep back in. There's an arrow. There's an arrow. There's an arrow. And we feel like, oh, my health. Oh, God can't speak to me in my health. Arrow, arrow, arrow. And what we say with the shield of faith, what is a word for faith? Trust. The shield of faith is to say, God, I'm going to cling to your perspective of every situation. God, I'm going to trust that you are who you say you are. God, I'm going to trust that when all the arrows come in onto my life, that the God that I said I'm going to trust with eternity, I'm going to trust with the day-to-day. A Christian who has taken up the shield of faith will say, Lord, I trust you in spite of these attacks. Lord, I trust you even, even when things are coming my way. Today I will choose to walk in faith. I will trust you in the midst of all of these circumstances. That is said of a Christian who has taken up the shield of faith. But then the one that I think is maybe most important for you and I today in 2019, the helmet of salvation. The helmet didn't quite look like this. It was metal. It was fitted. It had leather. It, it had a thing to protect your nose. It had a strap so that you could, you could move and it wouldn't fall off easily. It would protect your chin and, and your cheeks and things of that nature. Where is the battleground of, of the enemy in 2019 going into 2020? Is it not our minds? Is not mental health a serious issue in our world today? Is that not where he has his playground of doubt and discouragement? So many of us walked in here feeling discouraged. But we, we have salvation. That is assured to us. That can't be taken away by the enemy. We, we are saved. We will not be unsaved. We put our complete faith in Jesus Christ. And so the opposite of assurance is doubt. And so he will wage war in your mind. Are you really saved? You said yes, but then you did this. And then you, then you did this. Are you, are you really, really saved? The Christian should live in constant encouragement. Why? Because the salvation of the Lord is ours. It's our everyday encouragement. But then he says the sword of the spirit. I, I bring a sword with me. I think it's in here. Yeah, it's my, when I go walking, I bring my dollar $62 uh, pocket knife from Walmart. It's, uh, I think the pioneers used these when they were traveling west to protect themselves. It's how I protect myself when I'm walking. 
uh, I can't give this to Landon. He's not an expert with uh, knife throwing and things of that nature. Don't touch it. And, uh, and so the, the sword of the spirit that Romans had, what they talk about with the Romans was a sword that would probably be a little bit, what they're talking about is the one that was a little bit smaller but was uh, double-sided, uh, really sharp, and it was easier in battle to take it out and to, and to, and to razor sharp and to, and to do some damage with it. And so he says, Paul's talking about this is the only offensive weapon mentioned. That you and I have an offensive weapon, which is the word of God. That when he's lying to us and discouraging us, that, that we have the word of God to distinguish the lies. That we have the word of God to go on to the attack. It's what, it's what Jesus did when being tempted face to face with Satan. He used the word of God to say, that's a lie. No, that's a lie. No, my name is Tony. Half of you in the room know that that's a lie. My name is Jason. Only way to know a lie is to know the truth that would make it a lie. If you don't know the truth that would make something a lie, then you what? You believe the lie. And so when Satan is coming with all of his discouragement, all of his doubt, all of his lies, all of his cunning, cunning, scheming ways, we cling to the word of God. We don't hang on to it thinking that all of a sudden we'll become an expert in the word of God. Like any, any lethal weapon, you need to be trained. You need to, you need to practice it. You need to study it. You need to learn and you need to apply. For the word of God, we need to memorize and we need to meditate on it. We're going to dig deep in this in our, in our life groups today. We need to become experts in the word of God and grow in that way. We'll dig deeper. But let me hone in on the word of God. How sharp and polished is your knowledge of scripture? When saying who knows scripture very, very well comes at you. Are you comfortable with your knowledge of Scripture to be able to withstand what he is doing and how he might tempt you? Or are we intentionally spiritually blind to many biblical truths? And so I want to encourage you guys with two, two things. Here, first is, is a Bible reading plan. It's, it'll be up on the screen. It's something that I, I got done my Bible in the year through the YouVersion app on your phone. And uh, this is how you can get to it. It's a screen, whatever, of my phone. You can go and they have plans. Unbelievable. They have plans. And I typed in the Gospels and I found a Gospel in 30 days. And so I invited a whole slew of people. And so every single day, uh, I think we're on like day like 18 or something like that, we're, we're, we're reading portions of the Gospels. So we really can drink deep of Jesus this, this Christmas season. It's actually really, really helped me to remember Jesus the whole reason why we're doing all this. And so I encourage you to get on the, on the Bible app and to get a Bible reading plan. There's a whole slew. Are you struggling with divorce? There's, there's, there's Bible reading plans that would deal with divorce. Are you struggling with, with uh, mental health? There's, there's, there's apps for that. Are you struggling with discouragement? There's reading plans for that. You, you can type in a whole, a whole slew of that. Are you struggling as a mom? Type in mom, and there's going to be Bible reading plans. Like, do that. I struggled with mental health uh, for in, in a season, and somebody sent me uh, this PDF uh, of things that were taken from Victory Over the Darkness by Neil Anderson. If you're struggling right now, read this book. Like, this should be the very next book that you read. And so here, uh, I was like, oh, man, this is so good. It talks about verses about how I'm accepted, verses about how I'm secure, verses about how I'm significant. And if these things are true, since I'm in Christ Jesus, by the grace of God, these things are true of me. And I was like, oh, man, I need this daily. So I laminated it and put it in my shower because in my shower, that's where I have all my imaginary conversations. That's when Satan does has a playground on my head is oftentimes in the shower. So I put this in the shower. I I don't know what you need in, in your shower, but this might be it. And so if that's it, uh, email me, and, uh, and I will let you have this and get you the PDF, and you can laminate it, and you can do all that other stuff. That's weird. All right. And so the last thing, we have to, we have to key, understanding is key. The tools are key. Communication is key. Praying at all times. What should Christians be doing? Always praying. Always in a season of prayer. Always in a position of prayer. In whose power? In the spirit. So as we put on the armor of God, what's our first job? What's our first 
line of attack as we have the armor of God on, to our knees in prayer, with a variety of prayer, uh, with all prayer. That means public prayer. That means private prayer. That means prayers of gratitude, prayers of uh, worship, prayers of, of asking, prayers of confession, all sorts of prayer, and supplication to that end. Uh, keep alert with all perseverance. An alert Christian who's scanning the horizon is a Christian who's probably praying because they're able to see where the arrows are coming. They're able to determine that, and they're able to pray ahead of that. Making a supplication for all the saints, meaning that as I'm under attack, as I'm feeling it, I can still be praying for other people. And also for me, that the words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim all the, the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. In his book, Quiet Talks, S.D. Gordon has this quote. It's a book I highly recommend. Uh, he says this, prayer from God's side is communication between himself and his allies in, 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 in the enemy's uh, country. We are foreigners in this land. We are waiting to go to our home with Christ Jesus. But while we are here, prayer is how we communicate with home base. Prayer is how we communicate with our commander-in-chief. Prayer is how we say, God, I need you. Prayer shows our reliance upon God Almighty. Where do we battle? We battle on our knees and we pray accordingly. From the greatest to the least, from the youngest to the oldest, prayer is our battle cry. Paul gives that example and he says, hey, you know what? Pray for me. And what is he, the guy who is in chains, what does he pray for? He does not pray for his chains to be removed. He doesn't pray, hey, pray that I get up and out of here. No, he prays for boldness. He prays for the right words. He prays that I am, a, I am on mission as an ambassador of Jesus Christ. Pray that I will be able to continue the mission. So Paul is not above needing prayer. Paul is not above asking for prayer. Perhaps that's why we look at Paul's life and say, that man acted boldly. Because he prayed for it and invited others to pray for it as well. So are we humble enough, like Paul, to ask for prayer? As I was preparing for this exact sermon uh, about six months ago, I got this message uh, that morning, 6.47 a.m. from somebody I met through the coffee shop, Sandra Day, who just simply wrote to me and said, I pray God's presence with you every moment today. And I was just like, thank you, so timely. Laura Milan in, in, in the front row, she'll send me these text messages either, either before or after her Saturday morning group pray. She'll be like, I just prayed for you and for Wellspring. Or sometimes uh, I'll, I'll get the message of like, hey, how can we be praying for you? It's always so meaningful. The reason I bring a fanny pack with me is not because I need extra pockets. The reason I bring a fanny pack when I go to pray is because I don't want to be tied down by my phone. Uh, but I, ha I have this in a pen in the, in the front pocket uh, because it's, it's where I'm like, God put something on my heart. I want to pray for this person, but I want to let them know that I prayed for them. I, 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 God, God, God puts you on my heart, and I just want to reach out, text, and say, like, uh, encourage you in how God puts you on my heart. So I write it down so I can reach out to them later. Prayer is how we fight our enemy. So does your vision bring you to a place of prayer? If yes, praise God for that. Because likely your vision is wicked huge. <laughs> does your family drive you to a place of, of prayer? If yes, that's awesome because you're probably very in tune with your family and the needs. Do you pray through attacks? If yes, that's awesome because you probably realize the spiritual warfare that we're under. Do you pray about the small stuff? If yes, awesome. Why? Because you understand that the small stuff has a way, if left undealt, of becoming a very big deal. 
Do you pray for one? Pray for those that don't know Jesus by name? If yes, then you value seeing people come to enter into and be part of God's kingdom. Do you pray for your brothers and sisters to grow in the in likeness of Jesus Christ? To grow to become more like Jesus? Yes? Then you value people growing in Jesus. Do you pray prayers of confession? If yes, then you're probably growing in understanding of the holiness of God and how unholy we still are. We have much to confess. We have a lot to pray for. So we fight in his might. Keys to victory, understanding, the tools, and communication. Our mission statement is that we exist to ignite a craving for Jesus Christ by relentlessly loving our community. We're relentless, but we're not relentless in building this kingdom. We're not relentless in building this house. We're not relentless in building Jason's kingdom. We're relentless in building the kingdom of God by loving our community. We're not in the business of protecting our gates. We're in the business of storming gates. We, don't, we have all the armor needed to protect ourselves as we go storming, as we go pushing ahead, as we go reclaiming the territory that is, belongs to Satan right now. We reclaim it in the name of Jesus Christ. We are in the business of storming gates. And as we go, I put on the armor of God. He has my front. He has my back. He has my mind. My Jesus has all of me. He is the secret ingredient to all of this. And so I, I took up a hobby. I took up baking because I met with somebody who was, has been mentoring me. He's like, you're really high strung. You need a hobby. I was like, offensive. Okay, I'll start baking. Uh, and so I turned it into a competition. Last week I called together all the greatest bakers in our church and said, I'm going to beat you in a cookie contest. And I brought my cookies. I brought, I, I brought cookie A and cookie B. Cookie A was entering into the contest. Cookie B wasn't quite as good. And so cookie B uh, was a mint cookie, mint chocolate chip cookie. It was delightful. And, uh, and Heather's like, oh, you should give it to Graham. He loves mint. And I was like, oh, Graham's a good friend of mine. He'll, he'll stroke my ego. And so I gave it to Graham. And, and he goes, he eats it. He's like, yeah, I can taste the mint. I was like, you're a jerk. All right. And so I was like, okay. I knew they weren't as good, but I knew I was entering into the competition, uh, another cookie to be judged. And I knew I couldn't win over every judge because I wasn't a better baker than anybody else. I'd been baking for a week. But mint was going to be was gonna be something that I wanted. I was like, if you like mint, you're going to give me a 10. And people gave me 10s. Uh, and I, you know what? I came in out of, the five, out of the five bakers. There was a tie for first. And then I came in second. No? Okay. Well, whatever. None of y'all ever going to eat my cookies, so whatever. Uh, and, and so because not only did I, did I make a mint cookie, I then put a secret ingredient in the batch that won out. The, the, what I did was I crushed up Oreos and put Oreos in the mint cookie. It was delightful. It was great. Uh, and so I, I, took, I took second place of sorts in, in the cookie eating contest because that was my secret ingredient. Here's my challenge to you and I today. Pray, hit send, pray again. You want to win over the judge that is your lost friend? You, you want to win up, win over that critic that will never step foot into church? Pray. That's your secret ingredient. Pray to Jesus Christ Almighty, the Holy, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Pray that they might say yes. So pray, hit send, send that invite, and then pray again. I want to see a move of God like that was like that which was in the book of Acts. Like the early church exploded onto the scene. I want to see a move like that, so we better pray like the early church. And so my second challenge to you and I this morning is that you would join me next Sunday in the living room at 8.15 a.m. and join me in prayer, praying over the service and Christmas Eve. The second part of that, if you want to come on Monday nights, come the come on January 23rd, at, or sorry, the December 23rd at 6:15. 
to pray before and for Christmas Eve. Pray. As a church, we pray. Why is worship on the back end? Because I want to send a message to our enemy. We will stand. We ain't scared because we got Jesus. Our worship will be a battle cry. Our worship is how we go into battle. Our worship is how we, we circle the town of Jericho and let those walls come down. Our worship communicates to our mind what we will choose to believe in this moment. Let's worship. Thank you for checking out a sermon recorded right here at Wellspring Church in Tom's River. If it's your first time connecting with us, we'd love to stay connected with you. So don't forget to like and subscribe to this video. And then down in the description box below, there's ways to give online. There's our social media accounts. We'd love to stay connected with you throughout the week. We love and appreciate you, and we hope you have a fantastic week.